Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with James Once every millennium something will come along When you feel it you will know it cause it's coming on strong That thing, that thing, that thing Take long, the change will happen soon You will feel something so special Growing deep within you That thing That thing That thing With James That thing That thing That thing With James That's me Hi Welcome to episode 27 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. That's me. Before we get into it, got some quick business. If you want to donate, you can donate at patreon.com slash thatthingwithjames. It's a monthly donation setup. You can donate as little as $1 a month or as much as, I forget, I always forget. I forget to check if it's fifteen dollars or $30,000 a month. If you've got fuck you money or if you're really bad at money management. You can also visit my website, jamesjasher.com. You can check out my blog. If you go back a ways, you can find some stuff that I've written. Lately, it's just been updates of these episodes if they've as they've come out. But, uh, you know... Every week, I'm trying to figure out how to manage my time a little bit better. So maybe I'll get back to writing other stuff, poetry or whatever, for the blog. Um, you can also find my agent's contact info on the contact page of my website, jamesjasher.com. You can also visit me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at jamesjasher. You noticing a theme here? That's because I, I, I worked out my branding before I did anything. At James J. Asher, you can hit me up, message me, I'll respond, man. And if you also, you can email me at uh, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. If you want to send a, a love letter or a hate letter, or uh, if you've got any questions, if you are in need of advice, if you have an idea of a theme for an episode, Send it my way, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. And, uh, oh yeah, if you're listening, please, if you haven't done so, you know, rate the show and write a review. That would be great, and it'd help me out. Also, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, and, you ha and if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to my channel. And, uh, you know, hit the like button if you like the video, leave a comment if you want to, and uh, share the show with your friends. The more the merrier. All right. Well, today I have returning for the third time my guest, Emily Brummett. Let me just set your butt right here. Okay. Don't, Hi, for guys. don't forget to speak up. It's kind of far away. I will speak loud. All right. Good. <laughs> 
What's up? Not too much. Went to Target. What'd you get at Target? Makeup. Makeup? Mm-hmm. You're doing makeup now? Trying to learn how to do makeup. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Are you watching makeup videos? No. I should be watching more. But, I mean, I watch some as they come out. Like, get ready with me. What you should be watching are the uh, ICP videos. I'm sure there's videos of how to do the ICP makeup. Did there, you know? I guarantee there are. Did you know ICP, the face makeup, scrambles face recognition technology? Yes, you texted me about that the other day. It's real. It's fucking legit. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. They were onto it the whole time. Yeah, man. And they get made fun of a lot. I I personally don't know any cholo or not. I know some cholos, (laughs) but juggalos. Juggalos are the fans of ICP, right? Juggalos and juggalettes. Juggalos and juggalettes. And if you're if you're not sure what ICP is, it's uh short it's it's initials for insane clown posse. Uh they like Fago. They like Fago. They like getting weird. And um they're like I think their most popular song is one that just kind of like turned into a meme of like Magnets, how do those work? I don't know if that's the most famous or if it's the one that came out most recently. It didn't come out recently. It, that thing's I mean, old. A couple years, but their first... I remember people listening to ICP when we were in high school. Well, yeah, ICP's been around for a long time. Yeah. But, I mean, people who normally wouldn't know about it and don't know anyone who's into ICP, maybe they've got a friend who sells weed who's like, hey, let's watch some videos and then plays that one song by ICP where it's called, like, Everything's Magical. I think that's what it's called, right? That sounded like an extremely personal experience. Honestly, um, it might have happened. It's just, I've had so many experiences similar to that that yeah. I assume other people have had those as well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, shit, Pineapple Express is the whole basis around that concept. Yeah. Of you've got a fucking weed dealer and you just want to get in and out, but they want to hang out. Because they're at home all day and they get lonely, waiting for people to come buy stuff from them, which is a, that's a dying profession now. True. It's like gone, well, professional. People have offices, buildings. Yeah. You know, you can go in and buy it legally per the state law, right? It's true. I... Uh, I, when I saw that video, that ICP video, I don't think I was at my dealer's apartment. I think I was just like hanging out with, um, my roommate, my friends in the dorm. And, um, and one of them showed me the video. Was this grad school? No, no, no. This is undergrad. Okay. I didn't live in a fucking dorm in grad school, man. I don't don't know what your life is I, I got my first apartment alone. That was the first time I lived alone was in grad school. Okay. And um, I kind of loved it, but it was kind of lost on me at the time because I was in grad school and I was like young, 22. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's when I started getting gray hair was in grad school. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. You're super gray. I know. I found I'm getting like whole swaths of gray hair here. And I think it makes me look distinguished. Much like this bowler hat. If you're listening, you're missing out. I'm wearing a fancy, cheap bowler hat from a Halloween store. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, how's your day been? 
It's been pretty good. I went with you to Target. <laughs> um, we got Mexican food. Oh, yeah. It was good. And uh, we were going to go to the grocery store, but I didn't feel like it. I think we were both riding that same wave where we didn't yeah. feel like it. Plus, we had it was a big lunch. Big lunch. I'm not hungry. Are you? No. Yeah, I'm not hungry at all. Anything, probably, I might eat a salad later. So I might I can, need ice cream. I was about to say, I'm going to eat a salad so I can justify the ice cream. I don't need justification. I'll eat the ice cream. <laughs> I like to keep things balanced. Sure. Find the middle road. I had some green peppers and some red peppers. You did? And yeah. some onions. You had the best fajita. Oh, yeah. It was good. It's real good. I mean, as soon as I got that one bite, as soon as it passed my lips into my mouth, uh, I had a mouthgasm. Like, mm. the flavor was instant. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they season that. And the meat, just from looking at it, it looked like it might not be the best, but it was really well cooked. Yeah. It was tender. Yeah, beef. you can't imagine that their quality is super high, but it was yeah. still really good. Honestly, though, like, um, unless you're getting, like, really expensive stuff, you're better off getting, like, uh, cheaper uh, beef products. Yeah. Uh, like, if it's, like, mid-grade, if it's, like, uh, mid-grade versus expensive, you go for expensive. If it's low-grade versus expensive, you go for expensive. But if it's mid-grade versus low-grade... I say go for the low grade because that usually has like a little more fat to it. True. It might not be beautiful marbling, but depending on how you cook it, especially if you cook it in a slow cooker, you generally want to get the cheaper cuts of beef because there's more of that fat in it. We should make ribs again soon. We should. Um, but the, the reason you want to get cheaper fatty kind of stuff, not necessarily like totally fatty, but the cheaper cuts for a slow cooker is that because of the fat, it just um, liquefies over time in the slow cooker. And that's what makes a, the meat so tender. That's true. Plus, if you have, like, broth in there, of course it's going to be tender. Yeah. Because it's moistened. Well, I mean, anything in the crock pot's moist because it has to be. It's what now? It has to be moist because it's Right, in the it'll burn. Pot. Yeah. You can you can get those, uh, they have bags. Yeah, they have liners. Liners, mm -hmm. yeah. I imagine that would be a help, but it's also kind of wasteful. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard to... Clean. As, as long as you don't let stuff cement onto the inside yeah. of the crock pot, the ceramic. It's also like ceramic. It's easy to clean. Yeah. Ceramic got a nice glaze on it. That's mm. the sound glaze makes when you put it on. I'm glad, glad and terrified to know that now. That will haunt me. <laughs> Have you never been to Krispy Kreme Donuts? I've seen them glaze it, and I've heard it too. Each donut ring that goes under there goes to the fryer, and then it flips it and fries the other side, and then it's got that glaze machine, and the sound of the glaze going on the donut is like... You've been a little Krispy Kreme obsessed. I've been talking point. about it. Yeah. I'm upset with the donut shops here because I don't feel like there's any really good donut shops here. There's not. There's not. For as much good food as this town has, it doesn't have a lot of good food. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's there's a, weird a paradox. subpar. Huh? There's a lot of subpar stuff that just gets clout. Right. For no reason. Like, location-wise. Right. 
I mean, the the fancy restaurants, they're definitely worth it. Yeah. But then there's, like, very few, yeah, like, low-end, for-the-people kind of restaurants that are that good. Yeah. You know? I'd say a lot of restaurants are a little overrated. It's not, definitely not Chicago, Kansas City, New York, um, Los Angeles, San Francisco... Those places have a lot of really good food, even just, like, if you look at pictures. Because I haven't been to all the places. You know what I saw when I was online a minute ago? No, what? In Indiana, they have a pierogi festival. Oh, shit. Yeah. You like pierogies. I love pierogies. I don't like them. I love them. Would you consider pierogies to be one of your favorite things? Oh, for sure. Yeah? Yeah, I love pierogies. They had a plum pierogi. A plum pierogi? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just saying. So instead of potatoes inside, it's a plum? Yeah. Because pierogies can come in a different, like a bunch of different flavors. So uh, I saw that they had plum, they had blueberry, they had meat, they had mushrooms. Huh. Like, Ooh, mushroom would be good. Mm-hmm, mushrooms would be great. Did you know people can be allergic to mushrooms? Yeah. I didn't even think about it until yeah. I saw someone put yesterday. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. <laughs> That's great material for this podcast. You know, <laughs> the more you know, guys, the more you know. So, uh, about... Mm, an hour ago, I was listening to a bunch of music, and I thought I heard Emily ask me something while I was putting my headphones on, and I was like, I don't know, I'm already listening to music, I don't know. And uh, so I listened to about mm, 15, 20 minutes worth of music, and then Emily heard me taking my headphones off, because they're noisy, and she said, what are we going to talk about? Uh, in the podcast today. And I said, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then I listened to more music and a song came in my head. These are a few of my favorite things. And I was like, okay, uh, the episode's going to be about our favorite things. So what are your favorite things? When we discussed pierogies. Pierogies. I like scary movies. All right. Let's stick on scary movies. Yeah. Let's let's dig into these things. What do you like about scary movies? Um, well, I don't like a lot of monster movies, but when they're campy, I love them. Zombievers, guys, go out and watch it today. Zombievers <laughs> is a totally underrated movie about... Um, I'd say some college age, yeah, uh, boys and girls who go out camping and, um, and then some zombie beavers start attacking them and everyone else in the surrounding area. So zombie beavers, zombievers. It's great. I was really reluctant to watch it, um, when you picked it out because I was like, this looks like it's going to be stupid. And one of the th- things I, I, 
I don't want to say I dislike scary movies and I don't want to say that I necessarily like good scary movies because that's too restricting. I just want to say I like good movies. Yeah. And sometimes good movies happen to be the horror genre. And sometimes those good movies are the really well done campy horror movies. Yeah. Like they live like any yeah. any John Carpenter movie is intentionally campy, but still really well done. Right. Yeah. It's effective as a good movie, but also as a campy movie. But then there's a lot of horror movies that are just campy that aren't that good. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of over exorcism movies. Exorcism movies are, yeah. But so I fully expected, because it seems like the majority of campy horror movies, I fully expected Zombievers to not be worth the time it would take to watch it. But we watched it, and I, I was still reluctant at the very beginning. But then once the story really started rolling, I realized that this was actually <laughs> really fucking good. Uh, Zombievers. Yeah. And then, at, and then you get a treat at the end of the movie for making your way through the whole thing, which was a treat within itself. It's true. At the very end, you get a treat as a, um, a sort of, uh, Oh, Richard cheese esque song, you know, kind of like a crooner type song, uh, during the credits, just out of nowhere <laughs> for no fucking reason, just zombievers, zombievers. It's it's a jam. So, you like those good campy horror movies? Yeah, I also like paranormal. Without exorcism, I could do without those ever. Like paranormal genre or mm-hmm. like paranormal activity, the movies. I mean. The Conjuring series is decent. I think it stands up for the most part. But uh, just paranormal and topic. Like those are like ghosts that aren't ghosts that are actually like a representation of isolation and yourself and those sort of things. That's like that Nicole Kidman movie, The Others. Oh, yeah. I loved that. That one was fucking great. I haven't seen it since the movie theater Yeah, when it came out. Oh, I think I had it on DVD. I saw it at the Arrowhead Mall in Muskogee when it came out. Mm. Yeah. I also saw I'm Not There in Muskogee by myself. I had no idea. You've seen the movie I'm Not There? It's Mm. the Bob Dylan movie where a bunch of different actors. Kate Kate Blanchett plays the best Bob Dylan who is all drugged out with the long nails and the big hair. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Did you see the movie? Yeah. I saw that movie and why it was, how it got to the Arrowhead Mall in Muskogee, I have no idea. But it had like one showing at 1030 at night. I was, I think I might have been an undergrad at the time, maybe, whenever it came out. I saw it in the newspaper. I was reading the funnies um, and I was at my parents' house for the summer and I saw that it was on and I'd heard about the movie. So I was like... I'm going to go watch an art film. And I got there and I had the movie theater to myself. That was the, I think might've been the only time I've ever been the only one in the movie theater. And it was 
a really good experience because it felt like my own private screening in a movie theater. It was nice. I think that's kind of how it was when I saw Kinky Boots. Kinky Boots? Mm-hmm. Oh, I heard that was great. My parents saw the play, yeah. Kinky Boots. Yeah, I saw the movie. I must have been in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, which came first, the movie or the play? Do you the know? The movie, probably. Really? I think the movie was first. I think the play came out first. Uh, I don't know, man. Well, let's take a quick water break and I'll look up the answer. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. I found an answer. I was correct. The movie was first. The movie came out first in 2005 and then the play came out. When did I say 2012? I think so. 2012. Written by Harvey Firestein. Was Harvey or something else? I don't know if it was Harvey because... Yeah, it was Firestein, which is a pretty famous um, playwright for musicals. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite things? My favorite things are, and I've kind of been doing it all day, um, music videos. Yeah. I love music videos. I've always loved music videos because I grew up, uh, if I had to figure out where it started, I imagine it was when I was real little watching Beavis and Butthead with my brother, Carlos. We were living in Denver and I'd, we had like a finished basement. It's a really cool basement. Like there was carpet. I mean, it was finished. My dad had his office down there. He was like on the internet when most people didn't have the internet. Um, my dad's always been like on the cutting edge of like being into technology. But he'd be down there. Uh, we had a pool table and not like a small one like you see at bars. We have a regulation professional size like 11 foot pool table. I don't know if it was 11 feet, but it was a big full sized pool table made of real slate. Unfortunately, my parents, um, I think they sold it a number of years ago, but that thing was nice. And yeah. it, had, it had like a, sort of like leather mesh pockets uh, to catch the balls. And so you could play pool down there. And there was also uh, a TV down there. Um, and the Nintendo, not Super Nintendo, but the original Nintendo Entertainment System, and um, I'd play video games, and eventually the Sega Genesis as well, play Sonic. But down in that basement, on that TV, my brother and I would watch Beavis and Butthead on MTV. And one of the real features of Beavis and Butthead that you unfortunately don't get to see in any of the streaming episodes or on DVDs or anything are the music videos. You remember they had music videos? And they would comment over the music videos. And um, that's probably where I first started really liking music videos because I loved Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) So I would imagine I was like anywhere from the time I could talk until six, six years old when when we moved to New Jersey. I would walk around um, acting like Beavis and Butthead, I pull my... You've seen me. Yeah, pull the he back, still does this. Pull the back of my shirt uh, collar over my head and go, I am the great Gunholio. 
Are you threatening oh. me? Fire! Fire! You have to be for me a wormhole? Ooh! <laughs> it definitely influenced you. Uh. Uh. But music videos, I love watching music videos. And I never stopped watching them through, like, elementary school, through junior high, into high school. Um, by the time you and I were in high school was when MTV started playing less and less. They moved the music videos to um, MTV2. Or Fuse. Or Fuse. I didn't have Fuse mm. on our cable. But, um, but then even MTV2 turned into reality shows, which was just like regular MTV. Yeah, it's like the way of all music channels. VH1. Yeah. yeah. All of them. Yeah. And, um, I, but then there came streaming websites like Ebombs World and YouTube, and people started uploading music videos there, and which is even better because you don't have, you, you can choose what the hell you want to watch, and, uh, you don't have to deal with quite as many commercial breaks. It used to be no commercials on yeah. YouTube. But they found a way to, you know, ruin your experience unless you pay them. True. I'm sure this is going to be great for my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I always... I, I could always see movies in my head when I would listen to music in, like, junior high and high school. Because um, I was alone a lot. And so I'd listen to music in, in the dark room with my lava lamp on. And I would, like, see movies in my head, like, direct them in my head. Or even, like, going about my day, if I'm listening to some music, just seeing how the music um, syncs up with the world around and everything. It's like a movie experience. Like, if I'm driving and listening to James Brown or any really good, like like nasty funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I want to be in a crime movie, like a heist yeah. sort of a thing. Um, and then around this time last year, I actually got to be in a music video um, by, why am I forgetting their name? Broncho. I was in a music video with Broncho um, and I can't think of the name of the video, but it was a long one. Boys Got to Go. That's it. That was the song. It's like a duel. Boys Got to Go and then something else. Um, and that was a really fun experience. I got to go to Marfa mm-hmm. and White Sands, New Mexico. And it was like uh, five days, including travel, I think. And it was just a really fun experience. Um so that was kind of a highlight. Like, I've always wanted to make music videos. I don't know much. Uh, I, I haven't really, I guess, sought out or been presented with opportunities to necessarily become a director. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but that's definitely something that I'd like to do. Maybe, you know. It could be something in the future. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Um, Tim Heidecker, no, 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 Eric Warheim, 
directs music videos. He's done, I know, at least one. Beach House. That Beach House one, is that the one where there's, like, um, the football game? I think. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know I've seen it, but Beach House, not very memorable. Yeah. I remember the video had uh, that one guy who was in Twin Peaks, um, and he's always, like, going crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. I got to tell you about this. When I first started watching Twin Peaks, it was back in 2013 at my first apartment here in Austin. And um, I think it might have been season one. And I, I still didn't know. Like, I couldn't stop watching it, but I still didn't really know what to make of it. Yeah. Like, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be humorous or if it was supposed to be serious or what i just uh, I couldn't really crack it yet but i knew there was something there and um well one evening i um may or may not uh may or may not have uh taken some acid mm-hmm. and watched an episode and uh there was this like the one-armed man character yeah and i have no idea because i've been watching it off and on i hadn't been like binging it or anything so every time i jumped back in i was like what the fuck is going on um and this was one of those times already like what the fuck was going on is going on and uh, the one-armed man is in a hospital and he's like having a full-on conniption fit he's just like And it's so exaggerated, the screaming and the acting, and it goes on for an inordinately long amount of time. And there are just a bunch of, like, little schoolgirls, like 10-year-old schoolgirls in schoolgirl outfits, all in the hospital, because the guy's in the hospital, and the nurses are trying to get him to, I don't know, a room and some restraints. And... uh all these little school children are bouncing rubber bouncy balls all over. So you've got the soundtrack of this guy going, it's just over the top and funny. Meanwhile, there's also this of all the rubber balls bouncing all over the place. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? And because of my, uh, particular state of mind that evening watching the show i i had an epiphany i had an understanding about the show i cracked it it is a comedy yeah it's a comedy it's a satire is what it is and it's pure absurdism so there is no what to the what the fuck there's no reasoning behind it you know yeah other than music videos, what are you into? Uh, taking acid and watching Twin Peaks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, other things. Uh, I like books. I like books. Yeah. All books? Any books? I mean, there's books I definitely don't like. Um... There's one I've got on the shelf over here. 
I don't remember what it is. And it's it's not Watership Down. Oh, yeah. It's not Watership Down, but it, the characters are rabbits. And maybe some other little furry creatures. And um, it was awful. It just sucked. The, uh, the language that was used, the writer, was trying so fucking hard. Just way too flowery of language. Mm-hmm. Flowery language can work great for especially the romantics. They featured a lot of flowery, flowery language. Also, um, uh, Charles Dickens. Yeah. He's very wordy, Charles Dickens. Lots of description. Probably because he got paid by word. He did. He got paid by word. Yeah. Plus, the books are so long because they didn't come out as books, but they came out as episodes in magazines and newspapers to think there used to be literature in newspapers well think about it now a lot of publications are no longer doing print they're just online like like salon Jet or something magazine uh which is a black magazine mm-hmm. they've gone completely online since 2014 really mm-hmm in Columbus, they have a magazine, and they just stopped printing this really? year. Mm-hmm. Did are they doing online or mm-hmm. they just closed? It's online. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It's better for the planet. It's true. And uh, more people are on their um, devices. It's true. But there's something. It's particularly with books, magazines. Uh, I don't really care about, unless it's like an art magazine or something. Those usually have like really nice quality paper and print and everything. And the, the physical object itself, the magazine, is a work of art featuring works of art, you know. Yeah. But um, for the most part, books, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of books. You've got Kindle and all these other, you can read books on your devices. But... Um, there's something about a physical printed book that, I mean, yeah, it's trees, which is unfortunate, but I feel like there could be a way of printing books in a sustainable manner. Yeah. And I'm sure there are books printed, uh, printing presses that do sustainable. Like I've seen where there's journals made of cow shit. Cow shit? It's like cow shit paper or something. I don't know what it's called. You know, it also used to be paper, which was more... Uh, this thing was more popular than wood. Hemp. 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 And we could do that still, and that's entirely sustainable. Yeah. Um, but having a book in my hand is something I really like. I like the sound of the paper and like a hardback or just the feel of it. Um, I like the sound they make when you flip the pages or pick it up and put it down. I like the smell of a book, especially an old book. And I may have told you this before. Do you remember why old bookshops have that good smell to them because of old books? You know why? I forgot, but I know you did tell me. Um, I forget what necessarily is in it, but over time, as um, the pages begin to experience entropy, meaning pieces of the uh, the matter start falling apart, falling away, as all things do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's released vanilla. There's like some part of uh, the the wood that's used and the glue and whatever else is either vanilla itself or it's related to vanilla. But something that is vanilla or vanilla kin is put into pressing the binding. paper oh, or binding the paper pulp to itself. And so over time, as entropy sets in and, you know, smell is just um, particles floating in the air, interacting with our noses and our mouths. Um, well, like vanilla particles start coming off of uh, the pages. And so that's why books smell good is that you're getting vanilla along with other kind of earthy tones um, that are floating off of the page. That's pretty cool. That's cool. I like the uh, the way that a page is set up. Um, some authors, especially um, that guy Z, I know his last name started with Z. He is um, the musical artist Poe. It's Poe's brother, um, and he wrote House of Leaves. You read that book? No. I'm surprised. That seems like a book you would have read in college. It's it's a trip. Max has it. Yeah. I might get it from because he's never going to read it. Yeah. Max only wants to read his like five authors. Authors, yeah. Which is great, but dude, I mean, branch out, give it a chance. Yeah, I mean, if you know what you know that you like. Yeah. Some people like certain things, and that's okay. I mean, yeah, that's okay. But um, House of Leaves plays a lot with the syntax of a page, of where the letters are set up. Um, that writer plays with the page layout a like lot. Like freeform? Kind. Like freeform poetry in a way? It, but it, well, there's a little bit. There are stream of conscious elements, but part of that book is that really it's about a person going insane. Oh, well. It's kind of like... I mean, it's not exactly like, but in the descent into utter madness, it's not unlike Nine Inch Nails, the downward spiral, okay. where the the narrator of the book, it's a first person narrator, um, his sanity begins to, to decay and the rate at which it decays get uh, accelerates as the book goes on. And there's all sorts of stuff of like, it's a, he's like writing this journal about a journal that he found from someone else who was writing about a documentary that was filmed about this house, this weird house known as the house of leaves. And it has, um, it's physical properties keep changing. It's the same size always on the outside, but when you go inside, Sometimes a new room appears, or sometimes a room disappears, or a wall appear disappears, or the size of it. This guy started taking measurements of the rooms and everything and finding that uh, the interior is three times larger than the outside structure appears to be and is measured to be. And there's also, if you go into a certain door, there's a maze. And you go into the maze, and um, the the annals of the maze start shifting and changing and there's a minotaur in the maze. Oh, it's, it sounds interesting. It's really fucking cool. 
And there's all sorts of footnotes. It's like a whole nother story in footnotes. The whole thing is a total um, uh, deconstruction. It's it's like the most postmodern book because it is a deconstruction of all different rules of different types of writing, be it academic, journal, or anything else. It sounds awesome. Yeah. So I like books that do that, that play with that. Um, there's a, another book the guy wrote about, and I haven't read this one, but it's about, um, an estranged brother and sister. They were adopted, uh, I think as infants and they kind of like feel each other, um, in a psychic way, sort of. Oh, okay. No, it's not right. No, no, no. They don't know each other. Okay. But they, if I remember correctly, like they feel that they know there's another half of themselves out there in the world. Like which mountain? I don't know. Okay. What's Witch Mountain? It was a Disney movie. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> well, these these two people who are like separated at birth, essentially, a brother and a sister, um, they eventually find each other. And the way the book is set up is that you read from either end on the outside in toward the middle. So you can go to the back of the book and read turning the pages from left to right instead of right to left. And that's like the sister. And then the other side is the brother. And you do the um, uh, chronology or the way the pages go is that you read whichever way in toward the middle. And in the middle is where they meet each other. Mm. Right? That's interesting. That's a super interesting concept. Yeah. And that's not something you can do with audiobooks. It's not something you can do no. on devices. Although, if I were driving, I would love audiobooks. Oh, absolutely. Because I think that that would be, like, super entertaining. Although, I like podcasts. And I told someone that I like podcasts last night. And they said, there are certain people, podcast people. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) There's a growing number of podcast people. Yeah. It's a great medium. Yeah, you can find out about all sorts of different things. Yeah. And it's kind of like... Old school radio, where there used to be, like, radio plays and stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, fiction, narrative story podcasts as well, like Welcome to Night Vale or whatever. Oh, yeah, And Night other vale. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your favorite podcasts? Um, I like Let's Not Meet, which started off Reddit, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. What's that about? It's pretty much every situation that you would never want to happen in your life uh, <laughs> that would freak you out. And it's like, let's not me. And a lot of them, it's very obvious it's bullshit, but I just like the pageantry of it. And he'll have guests come on and read different stories. So I like hearing the other voices as well. Um, what are some other ones? I like, I listen to Two Girls, One Ghost very reluctantly. Like, they're hit or miss for me. Why reluctantly? What's hit Uh, or miss? Just some of the topics aren't my jam, but I do think both the girls seem very nice, so. Yeah. I think I more listen to them as internet friends. (laughs) Uh, I like paranormal as well. I listen to a lot of paranormal podcasts about places that are supposedly haunted, and it tells about the history of the building or, like, the types of ghosts and all of that sort of stuff. I really like those sort of things. And I just downloaded a new tri- a crime 
one mm-hmm. that is so good to live and die in L.A. It's awesome. It's just easy to listen to. Um, is it true crime? Yes. It's and- one case. Oh, it's one case. It is one case. Ooh. It's very intriguing. Sounds intriguing. Yeah. So you mentioned something that I want to go back to. Um, the hosts of Two Girls, One Ghost. You said you listen to them as they're like your internet friends. Mm-hmm. Um, can like you elaborate young, on that a bit? They're just younger sort of girls. Like, they're definitely younger than I am. They're in their early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, they're they're fresh out of the college. Yeah. Okay, they're college And friends. you can hear it. <laughs> yeah. But they're just, like, silly, and they make things entertaining to me because I just like them. Mm. Their personalities are, like, sweet. You know, they seem like they'd be very nice. So do you feel like one of the things would you say that you like about podcasts is that for certain ones, certain hosts, you feel like you're friends with them. You feel Same like thing a connection. With YouTube. I mean, I have favorite YouTubers. Really? Yeah. Ready to glare. I love her. Ready to glare. I love her. She's. What's a, she about? She's a goth chick, and she always talks about messed up things that are happening all the time, like crazy news articles that she finds. And issues with Tumblr, and she does makeup, and shows how to do wigs and things that I would have no idea how to do. But yeah, she's just like really dry. You know, I kind of like that. She reminds me of Daria, and I love her for it. La, 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 la. Daria was very influential for me. (laughs) Oh, really? I grew up watching that. I had all of... The episodes on DVD, including the movies. Yes. There's Daria movies? Yes. What? Yes. I My mom got me Is It College Yet? when I graduated from high school. Is that school. Daria? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. I was obsessed with Daria. Do you feel like you relate with the characters and oh, what yeah, they that, go through? The angst. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I still have that angst sometimes. <laughs> that was an MTV show. Yeah. Oh, I know. I watched it when it was on MTV. MTV used to be so great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Celebrity Deathmatch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For you kids or you adults who missed out, Celebrity Deathmatch was a stop-motion claymation show about um, various celebrities wrestling to the death. And since it was claymation, um, you could get really <laughs> gory and fucked up with it. It was another show where it really fell apart towards the end because they just kept pumping them out. They tried to revamp it. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Like Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was just like, why? why? Why do we have to touch something that was done well? Yeah, right? Just don't mess with it. England does not have that problem. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, but we need to take one more quick break and then we can get into the final part. More water. Mawada, Mawada. Bye. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Emily's going to be here in a second. I'm going to play this little ditty I was just playing with um, so I can have it recorded so I don't forget it. One of these days, when I advance my time management skills to uh, 
such an extent, I will record more music because it's something I like to do. Double track the voice, play with the stereo. Okay, so I started off, I'm in drop D and I've got everything tuned out like a whole step because uh, the action on this guitar it's not the best, it's not terrible, but it's difficult. You have to have a lot of finger strength on this old Yamaha. Okay, so. And then while that's going on, I'm doing this little blues, blues riff. this little bit too for another part I like to have some variation I, I can't shred but uh, I can come up with some sweet melodies guest is coming back. Sorry, I'm playing Jeopardy. You were playing Jeopardy? Mm -hmm. Would you say Jeopardy is one of your favorite things mm -hmm. on your phone? On my phone, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so uh, we were talking about um, uh, YouTube stuff. British shows. British shows, yes. <clears throat> so, and then what were we talking about? Um, they go to crap at the end. Well, some of them <clears throat> do, and it's usually... Excuse me, spike the mic much? Sorry, guys. Goodness. Sorry, guys. Have some microphone etiquette, lady. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, well, of course, uh, there are British shows that fall apart at the end, and I find that often those are the um, more uncommon shows that go on for a long time, right? Yeah. And now, a lot of British shows are very short, maybe uh, three seasons, maybe just one. And the seasons might be like four episodes or six episodes. Keep it short and sweet. They keep it short and sweet. You know why they do that? Why? Money. Oh. They don't have as much money that goes into the into the production. And also, um, the BBC, unless I'm mistaken... I, I was reading about this on Reddit like a month ago, so it went into great detail, but I don't remember all the details. But um, I believe BBC is a, uh, a social socialist uh, program in that it's like government subsidized i think Makes british sense. broadcasting corporation <clears throat> yeah i'm pretty sure it's um nationalized like their health care um there's bbc NHS. canada too hmm? there's bbc canada too. bbc canada as well um and uh yeah the, so there's not as much money so that's why a lot of the shows even the older shows, especially the older shows, are much shorter um, because they just don't have enough money to pay for all the production. And so, and the writers, they get paid in a different way than television writers get paid here in the States. Okay. It's different. And, um, and, so basically, the writers, it's not like they get on a show that's going to go on for like, 20 seasons or something like that. They know there's only going to be a f very finite number of seasons, a little number of seasons. And so they have to look for a lot of different jobs, but uh, it's a little scary because they don't have the guarantee of quite so much steady work. But at the same time, they get to work on various projects and make different original stories you know yeah and i feel like there that lends for a lot more quality it's like like a quality over quantity thing i think a big issue is when america does a remake on it like humans america does a remake on british television british shows like humans mm-hmm now the office. If they tried the mis if they tried Misfits, I'd be pissed. I think they did try Misfits, but it fell through before it like went to serious production. Well, good. I'm pretty sure they tried to yeah, adapt. Yeah, I'm it. sure they did. Um, why do you think that the American versions are just shit compared to the English versions? One, I think that uh, in the United States specifically, actors are valued more for their physical aesthetic rather than actual skill. Yeah. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, and the writing. Yeah. The writing's not as... Uh, the, the idea is for a lot of American shows is that um, it might start out or maybe by third season get into let's make the highest quality. But for not every show, but for a lot of TV shows... Uh, the idea is, let's see how long we can make this show run. There are exceptions. I do like Shameless. 
Shameless mm-hmm. and The Office was yep. a British show yeah, that got adapted. Yeah, The Office was great. Office was great. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, if you're... I, I feel like it's not worth it to have a TV show be dragged out for as long as possible. Um, because then you're just trying to think up, well, what can we do now? Instead of writing it in such a way where, you know, it has to end eventually. And you may have an outline or, you know, have these characters established. You have to write in such a way. I, I find that oftentimes shows that are well written write or approach the story in such a way where no this has to happen it's not like what can we put here what can we make happen it's uh it's no this has to happen and that is how uh, matt stone and trey parker write south park and their writing team but matt stone and trey kind of through experience in making that show um uh, there's like a uh, a like or or but or and but they've got like some kind of really concise little phrase that they use for their rule of writing which is basically um this person has to do this and then the only reason that they would do anything else is but something else comes in okay yeah so they approach it as sort of like like a math problem almost like they've established these open ends that they have to close and they have to solve for X solve for X and they have to do that. And sometimes another factor comes in and then a new solution has to be reached. Um, and that's how they approach it. And that's the way good writing should be is you shouldn't think of what, what can you put here? You should think what must go here? What must happen regarding the circumstances? And when people don't follow that rule, you get shows like, um, um, I think Handmaid's Tale is kind of a little bit of both. They're good at this has to happen, but they also throw in like the character Nick. Yeah. Um, he was like, kind of like supposed to be a spy for one of the old statesmen or whatever that got killed in a suicide bombing. And he was supposed to be like spying on, on Mr. Waterford or Commander Waterford. I'm sorry, Commander. Um, he was supposed to be like spying and reporting back. And you got the idea that like, oh shit, is there some dissent within the ranks here? And then that just sort of disappeared. Which there is an implied dissent because you have the new dude. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan or whatever. Yeah. There is an implied dissent. But this was much earlier on of like a specific character was specifically supposed to be like sort of like a double agent, like a, yeah, a I mole thought, kind I of thing. I thought he was going to be more integral. And the way they set it up, it was really exciting. Um, and then it just kind of went away. Yeah. I guess because they didn't want her to be saved by him. She has to save herself in this dystopian world because this is a world where men are oppressing the women. I get. And, and also 
they need to crank out more stuff to keep the seasons going. That's true. To get as many seasons as possible. So maybe they saw that and said, uh-oh, that's going to lead us to a, a dead end or a, a short end. And uh, we got to take that factor out. Yeah. Now, you could do that, but you would have to introduce, even if it's just a single line, someone says, you have to introduce something to show the logic behind why that thread is being abandoned. Like, there was no mention of uh, Nick's handler on the inside dying in the blast. We saw it happen, but it's like Nick was never phased by it. It just sort of, oh, that that element of the story disappeared. Yeah. For such a good show, they do that sometimes. Yeah. And it's a little, and I understand it's a huge undertaking, but with any kind of show, it starts with the writing. You know? That's true. You can take shitty actors and give them good writing and make them not so shitty and, or in a good director yeah. And great editors. You can have terrible actors with terrible performances and you can edit it in such a way that Make they look like, look oh, this, this is the next Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Next Helen Mirren. No, <laughs> no, just really good editing. <laughs> they chopped out the split second where they were living instead of acting. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and British actors, just sort of like in the British Isles, I feel like there's a lot of them, for the majority, they're like consistently really fucking good. Yeah. They've just got a really solid craft. Whereas in America, it's, you've got a whole spectrum. You have to be this and this and this and this. In America? Mm-hmm. How do you mean? I mean, it's. I feel like they want the whole package. You have to be a singer and a dancer, and you have to be this and that and that, as yeah. opposed to being really good at one specific thing and learning how to do the other things. Right. And I think another part of it is that, um, well, England or Great Britain has been around... The UK is what I'm trying to say. The United Kingdom and Ireland have both been around for much longer than the US. And therefore, they've got the uh, tradition of play much longer. And so they've been studying it. And there's like the Royal Academy of the Arts or the British Royal Academy where a lot of the actors study. And um, it's sort of like the art of acting is institutionalized and just it seems like i may be wrong but it seems to me like just um the uk institutions the government bodies um they see the value in the arts and they put money toward the arts yeah the u.s doesn't really do that pbs barely exists you know and i think that's a one of the hugest, hugest, the largest problems we face as a country is the fact that um, art is seen as an um, kind of an excessive, uh, not necessary thing. 
And art is not a frivolous thing. No. It's just as integral as agriculture, sciences, anything. Art is necessary for humans. It's part of culture. It's it's part of culture and it's part of humanity as a whole. It's how we became what we are. Telling stories. Communication is just stories. And we used to be a species of um, oral stories. Like, you know, before printing presses and everything, stories were passed down um, by word of mouth. And oftentimes they, they were passed down in, in song, in rhyme, because it was easier to remember that way. Yeah. Like the story of Beowulf, that would have been an oral experience. Beowulf, told down from the village storyteller from generation after generation. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I liked Beowulf. Yeah. Um... The last time I hung out with Bennett, um, we were at the bar and, and he was telling me he watched recently watched this documentary about um, some folk singer in Ireland and something they do more so in uh, the smaller villages, like country villages. Um, people would go to like, like the village will gather in a person's house. If there's maybe not a tavern or something, they'll gather somewhere in a space and um, stand in a circle with their beers and their cigarettes. And um, and there's like the folk singer and someone would say to the to the uh, the minstrel, they, they'll say instead of sing me a song, they'll say, say me a song, say me a song. Because it's a song, but it's telling a story. So, say me a song. That's super cool. Right? Yeah. Ireland is just super cool. Yeah, Ireland's awesome. I want to go there. Again. Again. <laughs> Let me see what time we're at. I've lost time. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. I think this is good. Do you have any... Closing. I do not. Closing words. Be good out there. Be good out there and don't run off just yet. Um, <laughs> thanks for watching <laughs> this uh, this episode. Um, tell your friends about it if you like it. Again, if you want to donate, it's uh, you can donate at Patreon.com/slash/ThatThingWithJames. Visit my website, jamesjasher.com. Shoot me an email, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Visit me on Instagram or Twitter, at jamesjasher. Um, subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment, tell your friends. And uh, thanks for watching the show. See you next week. Bye. Bye.